Bian Potters. Sonia is just reading her notes and has asked me to just chat to you for a bit. So then you just go silent. I was smirking at you. <laughs> I've run out of words. I don't know. As if that say. would ever happen with Paul Rose. Well, I don't know. I, I have often wondered if, like, you weren't available once, whether I would be able to do an episode of Bian Pod on yeah, my own. you would. Would I? Yes, you would. Just talking to an empty room. I yeah, don't know. You would. I guarantee I don't know. you would. You would. I don't know. I'd feel a bit like mad if I was doing that. Who am uh, I talking to? I talk to? to myself all the time. Well, I know you do. This is the thing. It's <laughs> like trust su- me, it's fine. Supermarkets. Oh I, God. Uh, yeah, your thing oh, in supermarkets. I will be secret. in an aisle. My secret. I, no one else knows except me and all the other people in the supermarket. I, I can be in an aisle, and you're two aisles over. And well, I don't can, talk that loud. I can hear you muttering. <laughs> That's it. A- Loud, you don't realise how it's like. Honestly, I've like. Well, no, I do realise. I've crossed the I end of an aisle. I know sometimes it's loud, but I can't help it. I need to hear the words in order to register the thought. I, I've crossed the end of an otherwise. aisle that you've been in alone, and you're looking at the shelves, chattering away to yourself. You genuinely, at times, like if you've like if it's a cold day and you've got like the hat on and big coat, you look like a mad woman. Like someone who'd like shout at pigeons. Uh, uh, good, I'm glad. That's what I'm. <laughs> that's what I'm aiming for. I want that. I want people to think that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, 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 it's more interesting. That's that the way. aesthetic you're going for. <laughs> it is supermarket I mean, widow. Don't get me wrong. I find it adorable. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely. It's not do. anything I can help. I, anyway, I was on TikTok the other day. Yeah. And I, for some reason, I get recommended a million ADHD TikToks, and it's normal for some. For with some AD- reason. <laughs> For some reason, that. it's normal for someone with ADHD to chatter to themselves because they it helps them process their thoughts. Oh, nice. So you hear them because I think I'm also I'm I'm a visual learner, but I'm also quite auditory. So I need I need both visual and auditory input. Um, yeah, just seeing something and thinking about it doesn't cut it. No. I wish it did. It would make life a lot easier. Really. Yeah. Oh no. I anyway. It doesn't really matter. I just. I say. I find it is one of the things I love about you. Oh, and also you always know where to find me. Yeah. Well, no, I don't. Well, yeah. What's my thing in supermarkets? I panic when I can't find you. Oh, that's so cute. That's so cute. (laughs) I do. I get in a right flat. It's like I'm up and down the aisles. And where's she gone? Where's she gone? Oh no. (laughs) Run around like a lost child. (laughs) It's because you wander off by yourself. Yeah. You go off on your missions and then I go off on my missions and then we lose each other in yeah. there. Yeah, we do. Well, I do try to go. I'm just going the next aisle. But we had it like the other day where I said. Oh, I looked for you everywhere. Oh, well, my yeah, goodness. But you, you... I swear I scaled that shop about five times. I came back within about 10 seconds after getting what I needed and you were already gone. That can't be true because I waited there for ages. And then I was like, why am I just standing here waiting for him? I need to go and get this other thing. I'm just going to go and get it. Mm. And then I'll find him. And then I couldn't find you after that for it. Ages. Wow, it's a metaphor for our relationship. <laughs> the start of our relationship. Have we begun the episode? Is that what's going on? Here? I don't know because you were letting me read what I'd written so that I wasn't stumbling and fumbling with my words, have which you, I will do. Have you finished? No, I haven't. I know I only wanted to read the notes for Essence, but I'll probably forget them by the time we get around to the song. So we, maybe we should just start. We find these episodes difficult, don't we? Yeah, we do. I really, really find them difficult because I can't just flow and talk. 
and it's because of my memory because I don't have like the most rock solid memory so if there are certain points that I want to make sure that are included I have to like refer to what I've written have you and thought then about that, doing it as bullet points yeah it doesn't work I know I have thought about doing it as bullet points bullet points have never worked for me oh. because unless everything is spelled out in full I'll I'll be like what does that bullet point mean you see dear listeners you don't realize the work that goes into these episodes <laughs> this is like literally months of work when we do these and months it, I wouldn't say months. Well, months okay. of listening. Not concentrated months. It's not like that's all we do. Yeah. We do other things. Obviously, we have like a life and other commitments that we yeah. do around them. But we do once, you know, that's why we have such large gaps between the albums because we want to make sure it's really gone under our skin. Uh, yeah. I also like to have time to get... Because in the beginning, we were really rushing through the albums and yeah. it was kind of like bang, 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 bang. And I didn't feel like I had a chance to really get to know an album as well as once we started, I can't remember why, maybe I think we started getting letters. So we did a postback. So I had some extra time before we went between whatever albums they were. And it was like, oh, wow, this has made such a difference because I can leave the last album behind and kind of, you need like a palate cleanser between them so that you can start the new one fresh yes and we will for those of you who are wondering we're going to go back to the beginning once we've got through all the albums and listen to those ones particularly that we gave short shrift to uh we won't like clutching at straws what were we thinking i don't know don't know what were we thinking one of the the key albums in the band's history and we, uh, well, it was two episodes technically, but really we should have really focused on that. We did two episodes, okay. Yeah, but yeah. wasn't one of them just about the breakup? Yeah. Or the road to the breakup? Yeah, but I think that informs the album because the album is really about that. Hey, remember the other week when we were watching a video and Fish was in it? And I think it was before Clutching at Straws came out and he was already talking about splitting up or going solo or something. No, I don't remember that. Sorry, I don't actually don't remember that. Could be a fake memory. <laughs> I just made that no, up. It, but, you know, you go through uh, old interviews with Fish and the band. and The band. It's okay, that's unnecessary. That's, that's what, not necessary, is it? It's just what you said. It's not necessary. I was enjoying your pronunciation. I think you'll find it's pronounced pronunciation. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you go through though, any early interviews and he he's mentioning it all the time. Wow. <laughs> it's like basically from day one he wanted to go solo. Yeah, it does feel like it. And, you know, he's mentioning so early on about writing his book and screenplays and things. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah actually, the memories are coming back. He was, I think he did a collab with someone at some point and... Doing the collab with them, he he kind of got a taste of playing or singing without the rest of the band. And it suited him. Yes. You know, it lit lit something within him. I listened to... Don't ask for the details because I wouldn't have a clue. No, that's great. Uh, I (laughs) I listened to Welsh Mertz the other day, you know, his final album. Oh, right. Yeah, What inspired you to do that? It came on after I was listening to Happiness is the Road. It just... 
Oh, yeah. Uh, I love it when stuff like that happens. And I stuck with it the whole album. And I actually, I have to say, it is a really bloody good album. Genuinely a good album. Yeah. Uh, He, you know, which makes sort of the path of his solo career all the more frustrating because it's like, this is the sort of big music, really, that suits you. Mm. And it's similar as well with Marillion you know, their path with H was similarly frustrating. It took them, uh, you know, they it felt like they, they found the voice with him early on, then lost it and, like, kind of were trying to rediscover or, or identify who they were. Yeah. But it seemed to take so long. Yeah. <laughs> Likewise with Fish. It's really strange why both of them similarly had a, a you know, that sort of path. Mm. Really odd. It's a bit sad, though, that he seemed to have found himself again and his sound just as he retires. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, okay, Mm. bye now. (laughs) Well, that was sincere. (laughs) Thanks for the Don't let the door hit you on the way out, fish. (laughs) Really, what that sounded like. Oh, I didn't mean it in that way. I know you're cosplaying as him today, by the way. Because I'm in Scottish. God. You're in tartan. You, it's the red, well, the red tartan that he used to have. That red tartan suit. Oh yeah, I'm channeling yeah, from the fish. Fugazi, not Fugazi, Incommunicado video. Uh, anyway, this none of this is what we want to talk about, but it does segue nicely into Meridian finding their voice, which they certainly did on Happiness Is the Road. I think. I, I also think that. At least, well, I think at least volume all... one. They... <laughs> no. Well, you're really making me feel nervous about listening to volume two. I listened two. to volume two the other day. And? We're not getting to it yet. You don't want to tell me how, how, how it was for you. Um, how was it for you, Paul? Um, look, it's got some good moments on it. I think it's a shame that they released a double album because I really do think that volume two drags it down. Oh, that's such it, a shame. It, yeah, it just lacks magic, which Volume 1 has yeah. in spades. Ma- volume 1 definitely has magic. Like, li- you know, literally, it is baked into that album. There is something special about it. Yeah, there is. There is a je ne sais quoi about the album. Yeah, get, get a load of you. <laughs> Speaking French. All right, are we ready? Uh, Why are you laughing? Because I said French instead of French. Okay, <laughs> I just take that as normal now. <laughs> it's not even a joke. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Um, so last week, we somehow only covered two of the tracks on the album, one of which is like a minute long. <laughs> this week, we're going to cover all the rest. <laughs> We might. We might. We might, because I don't know how much I've got to say, which is frustrating because I was trying to find more to say and I was really, really trying. And then in the end, I was like, look, if you don't have a lot to say, you don't have a lot to say, what can you do? Mm. But it's the same for me because it's an album that, that really has one theme. And it's quite straightforward. Yes. I mean, there's some great lyrics on there. Musically, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. But. All the songs are variations on a the theme. Yes. And I think, we're, yeah, there's no, there's, there's not only, a lot of hidden meaning in there. There's only so many ways that you can explain the same theme. Yes. Yes. Uh, but anyway, let's jump into it. Essence, which right. 
I'm going to say now is my favourite track on the album. I was going to say that. Well, okay, but we're the you same. took the words right out of my mouth. Let's do a meatloaf podcast. Yeah. I don't know nothing about meatloaf, <laughs> except he turned into an anti-vaxxer towards the end. Okay, let's not, we don't really need to get into that now. Okay. Um, R.I.P. Uh, meatloaf. Huh? Yeah, yes. Oh, God, that's so inappropriate. Can you just call it? R.I.P. Meatloaf. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Because it sounded sarcastic, but it wasn't. R.I.P. Meatloaf. No, that does. That sounds sarcastic. (laughs) Rest in peace, Meatloaf. (laughs) Uh, I like Meatloaf. Even though he became an anti-vaxxer. Yeah, I don't care. I, I like people. I saw for... Meatloaf live, you know that, when I was a kid. I know, you're lucky. Yeah, um, uh, it was the one and only time I painted a banner for a gig. Oh. At the Hammersmith Odeon, and we hung, hung the banner off the off the balcony. Yeah. What did it say? Meatloaf. <laughs> oh, just in case he'd forgotten his own name. Just in case he didn't know where he was or if he was in the right place. <laughs> Took me ages to paint that banner. Aww. It was the logo, the yeah, Meatloaf's like iconic cool. logo. And did uh, he mention it? No. Oh no. Did it, you see him look at it? No. <laughs> Not that I remember. Well, part of the problem was we didn't have f- seats at the front of the balcony, so at some point we had to we had to leg it down to the front of the balcony at the bottom of the stairs and hang it over so it wasn't there for the whole gig oh okay um and uh on the way home we got picked on by some rockabillies um wait a minute rockabillies picked on you yeah some older rockabillies why well i don't know because we were nice boys carrying a meatloaf banner oh they they hadn't been at the meatloaf concert no 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 no. Oh, my first memories of Meatloaf are being absolutely fascinated by him. I was like a kid, like maybe 10 or something. And I used to like watching music videos on the on the weekend and just like kind of looking at him because he didn't look like your usual pop star. No. And it was like, who is this guy? Mm. Like, he's not... A pop star, he hasn't got a pop star aesthetic, but he's got an amazing voice. And my brain was like going, does not compute, does not compute. I mean, yeah, amazing voice. Shame what happened to it in his sort of later years. By his own admission, his voice wasn't what it was. Aww. It was not particularly his last album. It was really a hard listen. Is it, do you know why? Like, did he have health problems? Uh, or well, something? yeah, I mean, he had all sorts of health problems over the years. I mean, great actor as well. Is it um, Fight Club he was in? Uh, was he? Yeah, he oh, was great. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. I watched that so long ago. But he, uh, yeah, I mean, he, anti-vax views or not, he sung on some amazing songs. I mean, you know you know, he didn't generally write his own music, don't you? Um, No, I didn't know that. Oh. oh. His biggest collaborations were with Jim Steinman, who also wrote Bonnie Tyler's songs. Oh, really? Yeah, if you listen... Oh. <laughs> if you listen to the songs, it's like, yeah, these are interchangeable. Oh, wow. These could be Meatloaf songs or Bonnie Tyler songs. Oh, interesting. Uh, and in fact, I think uh, I think occasionally they would sing. There are albums with songs that the other had sung. Oh, uh, really? Or were written for the other. <laughs> anyway, that's not re- okay, really me- what we're here, yeah. here for. Thanks for listening to the Meatloaf podcast. <laughs> what would we call a Meatloaf podcast? Meatloaf, po- po- you and me. Oh, the obvious one is Meatloaf, you and me, no. 
Pod Out of Hell is the obvious one. Oh, that's a good name. It's not. That's so obvious. It's like what we originally called this, which was This Strange Podcast, which is, I now look back and go, that's terrible. I like Pod Out of Hell, though. Pod Out of Hell. Yeah. Or tray out of the oven, put out of the oven. The best one and they would go, be. What do you mean, put out of the oven? How is that related to meatloaf? And you go, because meatloaf is cooked in the oven. Yeah, great. <laughs> great. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, you've got uh, to yeah. get the people to think what about it. What would be good bit. is if we were recording on digital audio tape, would be dat out of hell. <laughs> <laughs> that's better. <laughs> okay, that's an option. Okay, okay, I'm starting to go down a rabbit hole of meatloaf puns and I need pulling out of this fast. Okay. So let's jump into Essence because I I can feel the pull of the puns. Okay, (laughs) the the tractor beam of puns. Yeah, meatloaf podcast puns. All right. Essence, my favourite track on the album and yours apparently. Yeah, it is my favourite track on the album. I love Essence so much. I love it. It's the song that gave me goosebumps as soon as I listened to it. Uh, well, I got goosebumps as well with This Train Is My Life, but this one, it was even bigger goosebumps. I, it's just amazing. This is I, a good example of when I sort of said there's magic on this album. Yes. It's in this song. Yeah, yeah. There's something, it's almost like, you know, I'm not woo-woo like you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm quite a rational, you know, sane person. <laughs> <laughs> You don't talk to yourself in supermarkets. <laughs> no. Uh, um, but it almost, when I say magic, I almost mean that in a literal way. It's like almost Aww. like this song because of the way it's structured and the words. It almost feels like a sort of some arcane spell baked into the, Ooh, the music. Oh, look at I you. Genuinely, there is something about this yeah. song that is really uniquely special. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It, it's, it's an outlier when it comes to songs. And I don't know if it's like the way the music is structured. So like how... It starts and then the the moody bass and the percussion all throughout it and then it kind of breaks like a storm at one point and the sunshine comes out and it's changed and it, it kind of lightens up a bit. Oh, and I love how the way H sings for essence every time. It's just like oh, it's it's so it just gets you in the heart. It's so strangely structured as a song. It's like doesn't. I mean, maybe it is, I don't know, but it doesn't feel like it's structured like a normal song. It's sort of, I guess, what you would call prog, but it it's, but at the same time, it sort of, it builds and then drops away, almost like a sort of tide or waves coming in and out. Oh, uh, you know, and it's- That's there, a good way of putting it. There are points where it feels like all the momentum is gone out of the song. You know, those bits where it builds and then it drops away. And yeah. Yet, and yet each time it builds, it sort of builds a bit more and then reaches that sort of, crescendo where it's the whole sit in silence and watch the sky oh yeah oh my god i know it is magical i think though those those were that was the best description of it it is magical magical spell it's for me it's that i mean marillion have not hidden the fact that they are indebted to the beatles you know a lot of their particularly the eight year songs you know they, they clearly are trying to you know on the most 
overt example I can think of is probably on Three Minute Boy, where they clearly go full Hey Jude. Yeah. But actually, yeah, you're <laughs> right. The Sit in Silence and... Yeah, it's the, very Hey Jude. Yeah, that is. And I've never noticed it until I came back to it for this. I've always loved this song. It's always been in my Marillion top ten. But until I kind of came back to it for this, I kind of went... Oh, that's really Hey Jude like, but yeah, I've because only the just rest of the realized song realized it now that you've said yeah, it. Yeah, but the because the rest of the song sort of isn't. Uh, it feels like it's a brilliant distillation of Marillion's Beatles influence combined with what they do. Yeah, rather than just being a pastiche. Yeah, yeah, it's euphoric and complex sonically, and there's you know again so much going on underneath the surface of the song. It sounds like yeah. Yeah, like pretty much all the songs on the album, it's just got so many layers and different yeah. sounds mixed in. It's amazing. So lyrically? First, I want to say I think these kind of songs are my favourite of H's when what? he does these kind of meaningful songs. Well, don't all his songs Yeah, have... all the songs are meaningful, but... You mean a kind of bit more self-helpy. <laughs> That's what you mean, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit more spiritual. spiritual. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Um, and so, okay, I think the meaning of essence is quite straightforward. So it's not like it's it's hidden or it's a puzzle for us to work out or anything. And so far in the album, it's definitely the most Power of Now inspired song. Possibly... Essence and Happiness in the Road, those two songs are just like pure power of now. Yeah. Well, yeah. Live in the moment or you'll never be free. Exactly. That's what the song's about. Yeah. So it feels like in Essence, H took the lyrics of Dreamy Street and then extrapolated on them. So he's linking it to the power of now as well by kind of telling us to turn off our minds and be present in order to be free but then also within that presence to feel the energy of our essence because h as h puts it more eloquently he says ain't one damn thing means a thing in this life does that make sense ain't one damn thing means a thing in this life till you get close to essence till you try so basically nothing means anything unless you live life with that awareness of your essence, with that, with that awareness of your spirit and, mm. and who you are in that presence. The second verse is basically a translated excerpt from chapter six in Power of Now. So you see, um, and the nice thing about it is you don't really need to read the Power of Now if you listen to this song and look mm. at the lyrics because he doesn't just tell us um, be present, connect to your essence. He shows you how. He shows us how to feel that life force in our body. He says, sit in silence, close your eyes, feel the magic everywhere inside you. Fingers, toes, head, heart and soul connected deep to every living thing. And that comes straight from the book. There's a section in the book called uh, Connecting with the Inner Body, which Eckhart Tolle gives you an exercise he says instead of just staying in your mind and being uh identified with your thoughts and stuff like that to drop into your body and connect into your body and so he says please try it now you may find it helpful to close your eyes for this practice later on when being in the body has become natural and easy this will no longer be necessary 
Direct your attention into the body. Feel it from within. Is it alive? Is there life in your hands, arms, legs and feet? In your abdomen, your chest? Can you feel the subtle energy field that pervades the entire body and gives vibrant life to every organ and every cell? Can you feel it simultaneously in all parts of the body as a single field of energy? Keep focusing on the feeling of your inner body for a few moments. Do not start to think about it. Just feel it. The more attention you give it, the clearer and stronger this feeling will become. It will feel as if every cell is becoming more alive. And if you have a strong visual sense, you may get an image of your body becoming luminous. Although such an image can help you temporarily, pay more attention to the feeling than to any image that may arise. An image, no matter how beautiful or powerful, is already defined in form, so as there is less scope for penetrating more deeply. For now. For now. <laughs> for now. Um, and H explains, as does Eckhart Tolle, that you can't, you can't reach this experience of essence through your mind. So H says, not just the taste, the touch, the smell, or the face you know so well, not the 400-word description, the book, the film, the faithful depiction. And Eckhart Tolle says, you can't think about presence, and the mind can't understand it. Understanding presence means being presence. So then Eckhart says, try a little experiment. Close your eyes and say to yourself, I wonder what my next thought is going to be. Then become very alert and wait for the next thought. Be like a cat watching a mouse hole. What thought is going to come out of the mouse hole? And as long as you're in a state of intense presence, you are free of thought. So it's like when you're like the cat sitting there going, what's my next thought is going to be? You're so awake and so focused and in the zone. That's presence. As long as you're in a, in a state of intense presence, you are free of thought. You are still, yet you are highly alert. Um, and basically, Eckhart Tolle says that the power of now is none other than the power of your presence or of your consciousness liberated from thought forms. So when H says that you need to go digging for essence or to sit in silence and watch the sky and feel the magic deep inside you. That's basically what he's saying. Mm. So you just sit. You don't have to think. Drop into your body. You can watch the sky and watch, you know, what's around you without necessarily thinking about what it all means or whatever. Or you can just drop into your body and just feel, feel that life force in each part of your body, in each cell that you have. And that's it. That's all you need to do. So you didn't, he didn't need to write a massive book about it then? <laughs> he just needed to write a song. Um, so I've got one more quote from Eckhart Tolle. Sorry for anyone that doesn't like No, no, this quotes. is all fascinating. Don't be serious, um, this is really fascinating. So H says that nothing in this life really has any meaning or worth until you experience this essence and this presence. And I think anyone who has ever experienced it even just for a moment is truly fortunate Eckhart says at first you may only get fleeting glimpses of it 
but through them you will realise that you are not just a meaningless fragment in an alien universe. Briefly suspended between birth and death, allowed just a few short-lived pleasures, followed by pain and ultimate annihilation. Underneath your outer form, you're connected with something so vast, so immeasurable and sacred, that it cannot be conceived or spoken of. Yet I'm speaking of it now. I'm speaking of it not to give you something to believe in, but to show you how you can know it for yourself. You are cut off from being as long as your mind takes up all your attention. When this happens, and it happens continuously for most people, you are not in your body. The mind absorbs all your consciousness and it transforms it into mind stuff. Your mind, as it is no longer rooted in being, becomes vulnerable and an ever needy mental construct which creates fear as the predominant underlying emotion. The one thing that truly matters is then missing from your life, which is the awareness of your deeper self and your invisible and indestructible reality. And this is why I liked in Dreamy Street when H was saying he was just sitting and drinking tea in the sunshine. He was just being. Yeah. He wasn't analysing everything. He wasn't stuck in the past worrying about like feeling guilty and regretful about things he'd said and done. He wasn't like anxious about future goals and whether he's going to reach them or not. It's just like if, if you sit in presence, drop into your body and actually feel that life force within you, you've got everything you need, really. Not in a physical level, of course, we still need air and water and food. But in order to feel fulfilled, we have everything we need. We don't have to like, it, it takes away a lot of that craving. Yeah. Which a lot of us, our lives are filled with craving, craving for the next thing, craving for getting out of whatever discomfort we feel most attached to at the moment. Well, there's the, obviously, I mean, I wanted to get to this when we got to nothing fills the hole. Yes. You know, that's, that's about that craving. Yes. That's about that. If I have X, Y, or Z, I'll be okay. Yeah. I'll be complete. Yeah. You know, but actually then when you get it, you're still not because there's still something essential missing. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, I tried to read the power now a few years back. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, I, I'm of the opinion that whatever works for anyone, you know, it, it's great. But I mean, I always find with a lot of these self-help things, they're all variations on a theme and it all, always yeah, seems to are. come back to Buddhism. You know, and transcendental meditation and stuff like that. There's a lot of the time. I mean, I guess maybe it's because they are all variations of the same theme. It's not necessarily that Buddhism came up with it. Buddhism was also a translation of the same theme. Well, there you go. Yeah. But I think, um, yeah, and that's not knocking any of it. But a lot of the time it does feel like this whole self-help industry is just repackaging the same yeah. the same techniques that work it is and but i love that because and i don't mind that i don't mind reading the same message in different words because it's like sometimes it just accesses a different part of my brain mm. and i understand a fragment more of it that i didn't see when it was written in a different language do you yeah. know what i oh, mean oh there's certain you know they'll they'll be a certain phrase that someone can say to you that will stick in your mind or you can yeah. read that will just stay with you forever. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I've got, I mean, some of them are in Marillion songs for me. Right. Yeah, there are, there are uh, you know, the 
going back to Neverland, I want to be someone who someone would want to be. Yeah. You know, that for me is, it was absolutely profound when yeah. I, I heard him sing that. And, you know, and, and I suppose I tried a lot of, you know, when I felt I needed to um, sort myself out, I tried a lot of different things mm-hmm. and I read things and, you know, ultimately what, we ended up doing was you know I ended up signing on to train as be a counsellor and then it was it was the bedrock of humanistic psychology or or whatever you know humanistic counselling person-centred therapy you know with Carl Rogers and what he wrote mm. um that worked for me you know mm. when I got to the power now it was like yeah well this is this is the sort of stuff we were already learning you know, in yeah, college but it's just it was, different yeah it's different ways different of, wordings yeah. of the same message but you know as this song is saying you can't get to the message through thinking about it no. you know it can be packaged nicely with different in different language which will help us all understand it but no one really understands it mentally no, no one can really understand what h or eckhart tolle are saying until they sit down and just be yeah. And just sense that presence But sometimes, as well, that's all well and good. But I do also, you know, and I'm being slightly devil's advocate here. Yeah, that's fine. You know, I also, for me, I I needed to get to a place where it's like you can't do that if you're like in a burning building. Absolutely. You know, to, to use yes. a metaphor. Well, you yeah, have to, exactly. first off, you've got to get out of that burning building. It's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yes. You need to meet the that need survival needs first yeah first and foremost and then all the other needs before you've got the the capacity to be interested in feeling your presence or whatever yeah yeah you know it's you've got to feel safe in your life and this is what i say to everyone you know sorry christ i don't want to set myself up as a guru h that's his, his department but for me that was that was the the big learning that i had was you know let's not be euphemistic about it i was in a marriage that was unhappy i will say now you know i get on perfectly well with my ex-wife now it's like there's no animosity or anything there but um we were well, we weren't happy for whatever reason we weren't happy and i think i was doing the whole nothing feels the whole thing or I was trying to kind of fix myself mm. uh, and it wasn't until I started doing my counselling training that I kind of went um, you know what I need to do is get out of this before I can move to the next step you know right yeah so it's like there's no point putting droplets of water on your arm if your arm's on fire get out of the thing that's setting it on fire yes that's a really bad analogy. Yeah, I'm slightly struggling to. Okay, I'll take no, your arm okay, out the there's fire. There's no point first. <laughs> towel drying yourself while you're still in the ocean or in the pool. No, exactly. There yeah. we go. That's a better yeah, analogy. We'd, we'd had sort of you know moments of sort of splitting up and getting back together before that, before the sort of final time. You know, there were times when, I, I you know I was aware. You know, the thing that always sort of pulled me back was I've got kids. You know, mm. and I I felt like I'd failed if I wasn't there for them, you know. So, but it wasn't until I got the point that I realised that I'm not being there for them unless I can get myself to this point of being present, of being, you know, of being. (laughs) Um, And 
But you couldn't I, be if you're in a situation that didn't yeah. feel so I realised and this is what I sort of say to everyone you know it, it's look at your surroundings first yeah and ask if you're you know a tree can't grow in poisoned soil yeah yeah you can't you can't just your be if you're in a war zone yeah get yourself to safety first yeah um, so so that that I think was you know because my initial thought was well okay I can make I can I can make myself happy in this burning building. I can do it. I can do it somehow. I can make myself happy enough to stay or yeah. whatever. You know, in something I can adapt that, to bur- a burning environment. Yeah, I'll, I'll beca- just wear a hazmat yeah. suit. I'll become fire. Um, you know, but it <laughs> yeah. was that. It yeah. was literally that. You know, uh, right, hazmat or, suits for radiation, or I'll it? diminish myself to the point where I don't exist. Oh yeah, it's where I'm one. so tiny, the fire can't hurt me. Yeah, one or the other. You know, I tried every approach, none of it worked, and it wasn't until I'd exhausted everything, you know, that I kind of it- went, no, I have to go, and I have to be strong, and I have to go. You know, I, I have to short term hurt everyone, you know, and that was hard for me. Yeah, you know, to go because long term it will be for the best um, and it's hard to know that when you're in the moment you don't know how it's going to work out for the best because no one can see the future no you just have to trust that you're doing the right thing yeah yeah um but you know no regrets <laughs> so I sounded really flippant <laughs> wow <Yeah>. no regrets <laughs> um but it's true you know it's, it's get out of the poison soil then you can focus on yourself yeah. Um, then you can fix yourself. Then you can put yourself back together. You know, in terms of the power now, yeah, it's all well and good saying to people, be in the moment, close your eyes, feel yourself, become luminous and all the rest of it. But for me, there's a step before that. Or not all people have the luxury no. of being able to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, get yourself to a place of safety first. And that means emotionally, not just physically, emotionally, mentally, as well as physically. yeah. yeah. Um, that's all I'll say. Yeah. You know, some, I, I sometimes, agree with you. sometimes I think that is sort of slightly my, I don't have an issue with the self-help industry or spiritualism or any of that sort of stuff or spirituality, sorry, rather. Spiritualism, spiritualism is, is like, isn't it? That's yeah. Ghosts. Like t- mediumship and yeah, stuff. Yeah. So spirituality, I don't have a problem with any of it, but sometimes I do think they're like, Oh, you know, we'll wave a magic wand. You just have to do this and you'll be fine. No you need to be in a place where you're able to do the thing they're recommending first. Yeah, and sometimes also that means looking at what's not working yes. and facing it honestly, not just kind of turning a blind eye to it. Yeah, I mean... Going, I, yeah, I, I can fix it if I have positive thoughts I or if to... I listen, feel the life force within my toes. It doesn't matter if I'm in a shit situation. And it's like, no, sometimes you need to open your eyes and look how bad at the, look at how bad the situation is and go, okay, do you really want to stay here? Yeah, and I used to sort of compare it to, you know, monsters under the bed and kind of pulling the covers up over your head and your ears to sort of block out the noise of the monsters under the, under the bed. Yeah. And sometimes you've just got to pull out a torch and shine it under the bed and, and be, see what's yeah. under there, look into the shadows. Maybe it's not as scary as you think. Yeah, or maybe you um, get eaten by the monster and then you don't have to worry anymore. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no, that's grim. No, I'm yeah, or pull joking. the monster out from under the bed and kind of expose it uh, to the light. Yeah. Um, and, and some things want to hide in the shadows and don't want to be exposed to the light, but sometimes they need to, to in order to be dealt with. 
Yeah. Um, so I don't quite know what I was saying with that, but but yeah. Anyway, that all got a lot deeper than I expected. But you know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen with this album. Yeah. I mean, another another thing I want to say about Essence was listening to it and reading the book or listening to the book. When we did, it was when your dad was in hospital and after he died during that period. And having... Also because my girl's grandma died in in uh, last December, so it was almost a year ago now. Um, uh, going through my head a lot at that time was, wow, this life is so quick and fleeting. You just... And it was like this quote where, where Eckhart Tolle says about being a meaningless fragment in an alien universe briefly sus- suspended between birth and death, allowed a few short-lived pleasures followed by pain and ultimate annihilation. I was really feeling that mm. from a lot of this year, especially when, you're, especially when your dad was in hospital. It was like, wow, this life goes by so quickly. And, you know, the way your dad died, it wasn't an easy death. No. The way that Stella... My old mother-in-law died. It wasn't an easy death. You know, it was painful. Mm. It was unpleasant. It wasn't kind of this fairy tale passing, which everyone wishes for. And it was, and I just thought to myself, they, and, and then, of course, I was thinking at least, you know, they had good moments in their lives, but at least I know with Stella, she had a lot of painful experiences in her life, a lot. My dad as well. And your dad as well. Um Especially the last two years, you know, yeah. he was very vocal about how unhappy he was. He didn't hide it. No, no. Um, and neither did Stella. She was the same. She was just like, I'm ready to go yeah. for like the last several years. And I just, and I was just thinking, you know, what's the point? What is the point of it all? Like, so you go from pain to pain for decades and then you go through a massive pain and you die. What is the point? Occasionally sprinkled through that are these moments of of joy wow is it worth it like well, why are we here what is the point of this it, are, you ask, it all just, are you asking me or oh you, no this is just what i was going through my head mm. for quite a chunk of this year and it's like and it all goes by so quickly like it all goes both of them were in their 80s and i i bet their lives had just gone by in the blink of an eye yeah so i, I was going through like this slight existential crisis for a big chunk of this year. I mean, it would would just come and go in waves. And then, weirdly though, after both of them passed away, something changed. And, I mean, I still sometimes have the moments of like, oh my God, you know, this life. I had a lovely experience when my girl's grandma died and it changed the way I was feeling quite dramatically. And even though it wasn't as intense when your dad died, it was a similar, there was a change where I did feel more connected to these words of Eckhart Tolle and H talking about our essence and how it's, it's not our personality that lives on. It's not our minds that live on, but there's this part of us, there's this life force within us that's coursing through us that is greater than all that and that connects all of us and that we're not just these characters that we're playing in this life. 
who we are now, they are just characters. But once we leave our bodies, and it helped seeing your dad's body well, without yeah. his you spirit went, in you it. You went to visit my dad in the hospital. I didn't want to go. Yeah, it really helped me because it was like, that's just a suit. That's mm. a suit he was wearing. There was something missing there. And sorry to everyone who doesn't believe in this. You know, I mean, I'm not offended by someone who's like, no, well, I mean, you don't believe anything happens when we die. You're just like, you're gone, whatever. Mm. Um, I, I'm not offended by that. That's fine. But. And I don't know what happens after we well, die. Well, just, just for the record, literally the first big conversation you and I ever had in person was about this very topic. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, we're still talking about yeah, it. it. Literally, both of us on completely different sides of the, the subject, but the fact that we could talk about it, the fact that there was such, I don't know, engaging debate, it's, it's part of what I've always loved about you. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah, and I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying I know the answers. All I know is what I've experienced and what I feel. And I'm not saying that's right. That's just what it is. But the ex- the experience I had, I mean, yeah, it, the night that your dad died and the day that Stella died, I had weird experiences which make me think that our life does go on. Mm. Um, our life, our life, for our spirit does mm. go on, but I don't know what in what form. I don't know where we go. I don't know what we do. And it was uplifting. And so, having this book, then what? While your dad was, while we were going through that period mm. with your dad, having this book, particularly this song, some of the other songs as well. This album, okay, let's just say this album because mm. it's basically one long song, sort of. Um, and having this message in it was really comforting. Mm. Yeah, I it's, look, I don't necessarily believe in, you know, the whole we're luminous beings, to quote Yoda thing. I do. Uh, I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. But also I think it's about your definition of what a spirit is and what a soul is. And, yeah. And what, you know, and, and eternal life and all of that. I have my own definition of that. It may be rooted much more in a in something that's that's material and flesh and blood and rather than, you know, cosmic energy or, or whatever. You know, I, I my dad his presence is still here in our family. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. you know, he, he, it, you know, and I'm, I'm well aware that on some level I'm still grieving, uh, you know, and I will be, you know, for a long time, you know, I know on some level that I'm still processing. Uh, I haven't even reached the next stage. I, I actually think on some level I, I'm still in the sort of disbelief phase, mm. you know, the, or denial I was down at my mum's the other night and, you know, there were pictures of my dad on the wall and I looked at them and I expected, it was like I expected to feel overwhelmed, Mm. but they were just pictures. Yeah. You know, my memories are... I wonder if that was, was that Friday? Yeah. When we were, when we 
brought her back from the hairdresser. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the same thing happened to me. I looked at the pictures on the wall of him. Yeah. In the soldier uniform. Yeah. Well, no, that's one of them. Well, one, oh, that's ones. the one I yeah. looked at. But there's the ones of him where he's older and look more like he did towards the end. And and I don't know. I had a really... And then I felt really complicated after it because there's part of me that goes, surely I should be devastated when I see those pictures of my dad. Why aren't I? What is wrong with me? Um, and that's something that I'm trying to pick through. Mm. Um, and and I, it still, on some level, hasn't sunk in that he isn't there. Um, it hasn't sunk in somehow that he's gone. But, you know, and I wanted to talk about this in relation to the next song, Wrapped Up in Time as well, which is very much, very explicitly a song about yes. grief. And, yeah. and, and trying to hold on to those moments. And we'll get into it in a bit more detail. But I'm really struggling to remember him. Um, and I find it a bit scary. What do you mean? Are you You're struggling to remember what he looked like or you're struggling presence, to remember the memories everything. of him? I can remember memories, but I remember them as almost like sort of reported action. You know, they're, they're I'm struggling to remember the 3D-ness of him. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the presence of him in a room. Right. Yeah. You know, his, his voice, everything. Oh, see, I um, had the opposite. Like, this is the weird thing that the experience I had the other day when we were looking at, when we were in that front room and his picture was on the wall, it was, is, is it cognitive dissonance? Yeah. Is that what it's called? I was, ex- it, he was so be. real in there and it's like, oh, there he is. Mm. And then just kind of expecting him to walk in from the other room. And then I had to think, mm, no, he's not here anymore. But that's what I've got. It's that thing of like, oh, maybe it's not that I, I kind of have not accepted that he's gone. Mm. It maybe it isn't that. Maybe I'm getting it wrong. Maybe it's what it's more. This is what scares me to say aloud. It's mm. like I almost can't remember him existing ever. Right. Um. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. It's really strange because, I mean, those last few months of his life when he was dying. Yeah. If, if, even those are just like a blur. You'd think. You know. I sort of used to say when we were in there, wow, God, we're going to have PTSD after this because it was yeah, it was messy and it was traumatic and it was frightening and it was upsetting, you know, really powerfully emotionally. And yet I'm even struggling to remember our summer that we've just had, you know, that summer. Yeah. That most awful of summers. I barely remember it. and yeah. But it's almost like that has become as well a wall between remembering how he was before that. Right. You know. Um, what, so you're saying that it was the his last two months overshadow the memories of his life before he was in hospital? Almost though, I don't know. Yeah, but they were, yeah, almost like a wall that I can't look over. Um, and... You know, I can I can remember my dad. Of course, I can. You know, we had holidays, just the two of us. You know, we went away together. We, you know, I had fifty years of memories with him, mm-hmm. and I can remember all of those. It's like I've not forgotten him, but I suppose I want to hang on to the who he really was and the 
the feeling of him. Yeah. This is so the next song, isn't it? Yeah. Because and this and this I I completely get what you mean because this is the key to most of my exist moments of existential crisis mm. that I have. And it, the theme of this maybe that's why the, this album resonates with me so much because the theme of it is so true. So many times when I can't sleep at night, it's like it's thinking, "Oh my god, all the years that I've lived so far, do they even exist? Are they all past lives? And it's like as soon as you leave, a, let's say you're a cartoon, and as soon as you leave a room, everything disintegrates into pixels. Mm. So all, the only thing that is actually real is this moment that we're in right now, this moment right now. As soon as it's gone, it's disintegrated into pixels. It's just a memory. It's just a photograph. It's not there anymore. And that kind of freaks me out a bit. And, you know, this is, okay, this is like an embarrassing admission. I have been kept awake at night in the past, sitting there going, I can't remember what the bathroom in the house I lived in 10 years ago looks like. I can't remember the bathroom. Does it, you know, it's like, what was the point of living that if it's just disappeared now into dust? Ultimately, we all disappear into dust. Well, our bodies do. Everything does. Everything in this plane is all just going to disintegrate into pixels, into dust. So, oh, God, this it sounds depressing, but it's not when you kind of think it's not depressing if you stay focused on the one thing that isn't disintegrating into pixels is right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I suppose my attitude with life always you know, in the meaning of life. Obviously, a lot of philosophers have tried to come up with what is the meaning of life. And my feeling is there isn't one, and that's okay. You yeah. know, life is the, the meaning that you put on it. Yeah. You Nothing know, has meaning except the meaning that you give it. There's no some huge answer to why we're here. We just happen to be. We are. It is what it is, and we are here, like it or not. And, you know, let's hope we can make it as pleasant as possible until we turn to dust. And that means, I suppose, wow, God, accidentally circling around back to the meaning of, of this album and this song, yeah. of the whole, all we have, all we ultimately have is to try to make the best of it. Yep. All we have is to strive for the best relationship we have, the best moments that we have. You know, and it, it's, I get frustrated with the way the world is set up. It's like at the moment, you know, and I hate to sound like a stuck record, but, you know, it's our reality that you and I are living at the moment. You know, we're broke and that limits our ability to do what we want to do. And it feels, I sometimes feel in injustice and unfairness that the world is so imbalanced. You know, it feels like something's gone wrong, that it's such a struggle you know, that, that we have to struggle, that, that there are so many challenges that, that are sort of ultimately meaningless. Money isn't real. You know, it's not real. It's not tangible well, like the sky, like as, the trees, like people. Yeah, well, as time goes by, money becomes less and less real. I mean, most money these days is just a number in a computer. Exactly. You know, Not even the physical cash. That our lives, we are beholden to that. Um, so I get frustrated by that because... It holds us back from doing the one thing, really, that we're here to do, which is live the best life we can. 
you know, and, I, and it, it, it seems unfair that there are so many sort of obstacles put in that path. I quite know what I'm saying, but, um, but yeah, I just think, what's the meaning of life? There isn't one. You know, it's just, just we've just got to make this as as well, good as we not- can for ourselves. So you know, put yourself, get out of the fire if you can. If you're in, don't put up with pain that you don't have to put up with. Yeah. Don't put up with situations that you don't have to endure. You know, get out, find yourself happiness. You know, and yeah, happiness is the road. Jesus Christ, Paul. Um, you know, sorry, it's like, you know, I realise I'm sort of coming around to that without intending to. But um there's there's no big answer waiting for us when we die, I don't think. I don't feel. And you some know. some people do think there is, and that that serves. This is like when you said there isn't a meaning to life. I would just like to elaborate on that and say, in my perspective, this is my only my own personal opinion. There isn't a key, cru- like you know, core meaning to life, except for the meaning that we choose to give it. Mm. So for some people, they do believe that there is a core answer after we die a core answer to the meaning of life or whatever and that gives their life meaning and that gives their life a purpose and a direction and helps them strive to be the best they can be but ironically i think that is the meaning the meaning of life is we die and it's finite yeah you know and you can choose yes yeah you know that's the one truth you know i often say i don't really believe in any truths like concrete truths except that we're all going to die yeah we're all born and we're all going to die two certainties in life and the thing is it's like people get scared of death but it it is what gives life meaning absolutely it is and that meaning is we don't live forever it gives life a structure we yeah. have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. You know, we can't control the beginning, we can't control the end, but you can, no. you can, you, you know, all right, there are lots of kids out there and lots of people out there trapped in situations, you know, who don't get to define their lives, mm. you know, which is wrong and fucked up. You know, I know that. Um, you know, and I'm not expecting someone who's in like an abusive relationship or abused by parents or whoever you know who or who are powerless you know against the regime or something you know i'm not sort of saying you know look put a put a smile on your face get out of that shitty situation sort it out yeah because it's not always that easy yeah it isn't always that easy and again it comes back to you know it's all well and good you know but someone trapped in a situation like that you give them a copy of the power now ain't gonna help them no and that's my issue with self-help it only works if you're in that privileged position of being in a healthy enough soil yeah for it I, to help i agree shall, shall we uh let me just talk about the song a bit shall we um, <laughs> oh uh, yeah um we jumped um, straight into it well after like 15 minutes of talking about meatloaf but yeah uh here's a little quote from um h about essence Pete, our bass player, kept bursting through the door every evening with vocal arrangements and harmonies that he put together at home with his Pro Tools rig and said, what about this? What about this? So I would sing them, he would sing them, and we would incorporate them into the thing. So I think it's a bit more 
well, there's kind of a barbershop aspect to it than our other records. He's talking about the album as a whole, but you can hear that on the, there's so there's sort of vocal harmonies yes. and, and so on. Yeah. Uh, Pete, Pete said of Essence, this has recently been changed as Mark's, it was him talking, I think, on one of the eWeb newsletters. He said, this has recently been changed as Mark's sample in the middle eight reminded Mike Hunter too much of a lavatory dripping constantly. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Um, oh, just, so we've got Pete to thank for the music in Essence. Well, not all of it. But a lot of it, by the sounds well, of it. Well, some of it, I think, or just the album as a whole. Um... This is, uh, uh, well, it's Mark Kelly's favourite track on the album. This is from the web interview with the band about it. Oh, yes, there was a, a competition winner, with a, which I think, you know, the draw that went into the, um, for the, pre- the pre-orders, there was a draw for various prizes. Right. Someone got to play finger symbols on this. Jealous. <laughs> yeah, I know. Imagine that, being able to say. Symbols. Yeah, being able to say you played symbols. on the album. I think, I, th- I think Lucy should give us the chance to play, to play percussion. To percussion on the next album. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, that is one thing I would be like, yeah, sure. Um, Everything else, I'm like, no, I'm too shy. But if you go like, do you want to play percussion? Yep. <laughs> instant, instant yes. And uh, also playing on this song was John Hotton, who was a music journalist. Who um, he was now writing for Classic Rock, so they, he was down to do a feature. And apparently, once uh, upon a time, he referred to the space as overworked guff. So, no. so they got him to play tambourine on it and credited him as uh, overworked tambourine. <laughs> Brilliant. So you know the bit where the song sort of slows down. Mm. That was apparently. Mike Hunter doing some clever production trickery because they decided it needed something extra, but apparently a nightmare for them to actually then play. Um, So when they play it live, how do they do it? Well, they hardly ever play it live. um, Okay, that that explains that. I have to just say, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. no, I just have to say, somehow we completely forgot that, of course, the whole of Essence, the album, Mm. is on the Distant Lights DVD. Essence, the album? Yes. Or Happiness is the Road, the album. Essence, volume one, Essence, the album. Oh, oh, sorry, yes. Is on the the whole of the Distant Lights DVD, which was recorded at the last, the 2019 conventions. Yes, um, apparently we were there. I know, I don't know how the hell that just slipped my mind last week. But me as we well. We even watched the bloody me DVD. As well. yeah. And didn't realise that we were there. Well, we did realise we were there. Did we? But yeah, we knew we were there, we, but all the conventions. Um, but one thing that listening to, I don't know why it came into my mind listening to this album, but was like, one thing I was wondering was, um, how the hell do they play this live with all those musical layers? I mean, well, is it all just programmed into the keyboard? Is it loop yeah, pedals? Mark's what job, is it? a lot of it to program it all. So many different musical elements and not enough people on stage to be playing no. each of those elements. How How is that it's done? Fine. keep adding new members to the band, let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is just a little quote from H about the lyrics. He says, it's about seizing the day. Or more seizing the microsecond, like completely looking for the juice of everything in every moment. It's about essences, the distillation of absolutely everything, whether it's a sunrise, a sunset, a dog, a cocktail or anything at all. It's about searching for that moment and valuing it. So it's about juicing a dog. (laughs) (laughs) According to H, (laughs) dog juice. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Um, I think we might have time to talk about wrapped up in time, so to speak. Right. Given I think we've covered we've certain probably chunks of it. Yeah, we? I think we have, but we can 
re-chonk them. Musically, I thought there were some really interesting instrumental sounds all throughout the song. And the keyboards at the beginning that start around 13 seconds in, okay, this is off topic a bit. Um, If you listen to it, I can really imagine someone chanting choose life, choose living over them. Just think like if someone had, if someone ever remixes or re-edits the song or does like, you know, a mashup of it. A mashup. A chanting of choose life, choose living in that section would work really well. It's it's another one of those bits, the opening of Wrapped Up, it takes a while to get going. Yeah. Because, again, another one of the instrumental bits that they've put on this album, but use this one as, other than separating it out into its own section. Oh, um, okay. You know, it's, a, it's, but I love it. I love the fact that they've so kind of, trusted in those atmospheric moments me too yeah thank god for that there's also a rumble in the background at the beginning it starts at around one minute in just before h starts singing and it almost sounds like a train going over tracks far away in the distance Um, i'm probably imagining it but that's what i thought and i thought oh that's if it is there and if it is meant to sound like that i thought that was a really nice touch nice callback to this train is my life if it is yeah if it is there um i thought the drum beat sounded like a slow heartbeat which was you know it gave it's it's drum machine isn't it it's um i believe i can never tell if it's drum machine or not it's drum machine i can never tell for some reason marillion songs work really well with drum machines sorry ian you're brilliant but um but some sometimes yeah it's like there's a quality with certain songs that that the drum machines really help and ian is on this song but apparently they i think they put it together when ian was away or out of the studio oh because i was listening to that there were a few songs i was listening to going now that could be drum machine or ian drumming really fast (laughs) okay (laughs) so i can't always Uh, tell the difference because he's quite talented so quite talented he is extremely talented so he might be able to play that fast mm, but no. this wasn't fast drop drum i described like it a as slow a heart- heartbeat yeah. so it i described have... it as a heartbeat as well yeah and i sort of said it gives, Which gives song... it an organic feel to the song well i said it gives it an intimacy that's true especially when you think about the subject matter it's got a lot of heart mm. um and then there's an urgency in the guitar so i guess you're mixing that heartbeat the emotions sentiment and the urgency in the guitar could represent our uncomfortable emotions, whether it's grief or emotional pain or whatever. Um, anyway, I love the spacey cosmic elements of the keyboard, which I guess are very fitting with the idea of the stars we see being long extinct by the time their light reaches us. And... I also really, really love the way H sings an echo of you. Cause yeah. I think it's really oh, beautiful. Really oh, wow. beautiful. It was, uh, I wrote down listening to this again. This is another one that I've just through this process of doing this podcast. I've rediscovered what a gem this song is. Mm. Uh, what a beautiful song. And yeah. And that, that's also, you know, in terms of sort of the lyric content, 
it's so far away from their origins when you think of Fugazi or script or something like that. It's so far away musically. It's so mm. far away lyrically. The spirituality that's in here mm. um, and the, the, the heart that is in the music on yeah. this song in particular that is just sort of, again, that magic is here in this song. Mm. And... It was like, you know, yeah, I fell in love with Marillion in the 80s and what they were doing. But it's almost like when I get to this album and this song, it's like I was kind of going, yeah, but I think this is what I was always waiting for them to do. Yeah, it's like it's got that fifth element. Mm. So we've got all, you know, you're not just on the mental plane, you're not just on the emotional plane, you're not just on the physical plane listening to, you know, the physical music, the actual music, aside from the meaning. But he's injected spirit into it. Yeah. And that gives it magic. Soul. Yeah. Yeah, quite literally on at least one song. But this is another really soulful song. Yeah. Um, And that's what H brought to the band. And whether that musically is the direction the band just went in or whether they went in that direction because of H, you know, because of, you know, I'm not saying because H directly influenced them, but you adapt to your surroundings, don't you? You adapt to the tools that you have. Yeah. At your disposal. But yeah. the, the amount of sort of heart and soul that is in this song is just, it's just, I don't know, it's just incredible. And the atmosphere and the, I mean, you listen beneath it, that there's so much sort of, it's almost mental, the sounds behind yeah. 80s voice. They're mad. I know. It but it works. That's why it's like you listen to it with headphones and it just, it takes it to another level. Yeah. And his falsetto as well, which I know is yes. not always everyone's cup of tea. Yeah. But you, it really works here. My God, it's just a lovely, lovely pop song mm. with soul and and just something else going on that that is almost impossible to quantify. It's a really underrated track. Is it one that they don't play very often? No, apart from on that DVD that we've forgotten that the last Marillion weekend. Oh, we have in to rewatch it. Let's yeah. rewatch it again this weekend. Yeah, let's do if that. We remember. Yeah. Um, so, should we talk lyrics? I think we've already sort of touched upon what this is about. Yeah, I think it, yeah, it's obviously it's connected thematically to what we were talking about in essence. But I did add, there's a real melancholic sadness to the song, but in a sweet romantic way. Mm. It wasn't just like sad grief it it there there's a sweetness to it and a romanticness to it and yeah again it seems to be describing how everything that is not being experienced in the present moment is an echo Mm. it's a copy of its original it's like looking at a photo that's what i was talking about it's like you know with regard to my dad and looking at those photos of him yeah it was hard to it was like, that's not him. It's a picture of him. It's an echo of him. My God, yeah, an echo of you. That's exactly... It was like, that's not him. So I'm not... Yeah. I wasn't having an emotional reaction. Mm. And it felt strange because it's like... I, sh- I felt I should. And I should is a really dangerous word. I should feel a thing. But you've been really grappling with this in recent weeks. Yeah, I have. This shouldness of I should be experienced because it hasn't hit me in the way I expected it to. You know, I've had moments and I don't know if if because we've got so much going on you and I, you know, looking after my mom and we're just really busy and I'm 
trying desperately to earn money and etc etc i just don't know if i'm too busy to grieve or too distracted to grieve or whether i did grieve while he was dying i um, mean you definitely did no i know i was yeah it was traumatic and it was upsetting and i did definitely come home and say to you it was yeah it was one, one day in particular wasn't there um but i said it felt like i was saying goodbye to him um but <sighs> can i just ask you how did being alone in the car for like seven hours the other day affect you because like that was a time when you were alone you had nothing else to do for the purposes of the the listeners i wasn't just sat in the car oh. <laughs> I was driving up to see my uh, daughter and grandson because uh, Sanya couldn't make it that day, so I was on my own. Yeah, because like, um, I was one. Because like, you've often said maybe I'm just too busy to grieve, and that was a day where you. I mean, maybe you can't really allow yourself I'm to not, grieve while you're driving. I, but then but... that's a good example. Sort of proves it's not that. Yeah. Because I think I think grief. I think grief is like a battering ram. It will batter down any however busy you are. It will hit you. You know, when you're least expecting it. And I was, I hate to say, it, I was fine in the car on my own. I didn't really give it a second thought, my dad. Why do you hate to say it? Is it that because should, it feels that like it's sort again. of betraying, yeah, because it feels like it's betraying my love for him, mm. um, which is still very real. Yeah, I guess on some level, it's like I feel oh, I'm a bad son. So it's like if you're not devastated, it's yeah. not. You didn't really love him enough. That's, is that yeah. what you, it's that. you feel it's yeah. saying? Yeah, but at the same time, there is another part of me that goes, it is what it is, Paul, let it go. I still have moments. It's like, you know, last week my mum gave me a big folder full of old letters of his and, and the like, and, you know, that made me feel a bit teary, but that was on top of a pretty shitty day anyway. And I had a moment this morning, you remember this morning, we were talking about my hands, of yeah. all things, and I thought, wow, my hands are really different to my dad's. I held his hand a lot in the hospital. My dad had very chunky hands. Oh, that's uh, this is really weird. What? I had the opposite experience. I was literally thinking when I held your dad's hand, it reminded me of holding your hand. Oh, really? They felt so similar. But he's, he had really fat fingers. I don't... They don't look alike, but holding them, holding oh. his hand, it was like, oh, my God, that feels like holding Paul's hand. Um. Very similar, very, very similar feeling hands to you. Really? Yeah. Oh. Like freaky, freakishly similar. I don't know. Anyway, but I just looked at him and, just, and it, I just had a flash of his hands, you know, in my head. Yeah. Um, there was just a little moment there. It's like I don't fight them. It's like I'm seeking them, if anything. Those moments where I want to, I want to sort of feel something. And then there's the other part of me that kind of goes, oh, shit, am I just... Am I, am I just going to get hit by it one day or well, I should stop chasing it? Or is this it? Life's gone on. Mm. Um, yeah. And I don't think any of us have the answer. No, it'll be what because, it is. Because grief is so individual. Individual? It's so different for each individual yeah. and each circumstance. And each relationship None of us, you have with a person. Exactly. Yeah. None of us have the the answer for you we don't know it's like i i have grieved more it feels like i've been more upset over the death of my sister's first husband mm. you know who i hadn't seen for sort of 25 years mm. that really upset me 
And then again, I go, but I was really upset when my dad was dying. Yes. Um, anyway, but this is this is it's so complicated. It's complicated, but it feels like it's it's appropriate to talk about with regard to this song. Yeah. It feels like it's try. It's a song about trying to hang on to those moments and not being able to. Yeah. It's like um, trying to grasp a shadow. God, how weird that we're going through this and we're doing this album. I know. It's perfect. I, I thank the universe for this. Thank, thank the universe for my dad dying. No. <laughs> in, just in time for our happiness is the road coverage. <laughs> <laughs> That sounded awful. That so <laughs> no, no, it's the other way around. I think that we had the chance to really dive deeply into this album yeah, during this it. time. Yeah. That's what I meant because it was the most perfect album to be listening to. Yeah, yeah. It really was. In a different way to An Hour Before It's Dark. And it's weird because An Hour Before It's Dark came out shortly after my girl's grandma died. Yeah. Um, that yeah. was a kind of a, a completely different emotional experience. But having Happiness is the Road has helped. It's been really comforting and inspiring. Mm. Yeah. It Maybe has. inspiring is the wrong word, but it has. It okay. has. Really helped, and I'm glad that we've had it at this time. Mm. I'm glad we weren't doing Fugazi, for example. Yeah. Because it just wouldn't have been the same. No, I agree. I agree. Well, do you want to talk lyrically? I mean, I think... I think I've said pretty much everything. Um, Yeah, me too. Yeah. Once the moment is gone, you can never get the original back again. No. Uh yeah, and there, there you go. I wrote. It's particularly poignant when you think about it in relation to loved ones that may have passed on. Yeah. What well, all you have left is your memories of them. These tiny little echo fragments, as H so eloquently puts it, wrapped up in time. Mm. And you know something that's been hit hitting me quite frequently in recent weeks is I think, I think of your dad being in his house at his computer, and then I think of him not being there, and I'm like, where is he? I want it's it's so weird that my brain latches onto these little things it latches onto like not being able to remember bathrooms. Um it just latches onto where is he? I want to know where he is. Where is he now? Mm. Where is he in space and time right now? And it and it, it gets kind of stuck on that wanting to know and it's like well you can't know, sorry. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, let me read what H says about it lyrically. He says it started as a little poem. He says, lyrically, it's about how you cannot separate a thing from the time where it belongs. As much as you want to try to hang on to things, you can't have them because they belong in a timeline, like a sticky sweet surrounded by paper that you can't get off. No matter how much you want to remove them from the time they're in, they belong in that time. So there's never a lot of point reminiscing because you can't have those things back. They've come and gone. The last few lines of that song are about, uh, I'd imagine what it was like to travel up a rod of light that comes from a star that no longer exists. Because there are some stars that are so far away that what you are looking at in the sky is how they used to be. You can travel up that beam of light. If you could go fast enough, of course, you'd find the point where the star exploded and ceased to be. Eventually you would get to the space where it used to be and it wouldn't be there. That's always been something that I found fascinating that you can look at things that may not exist at all, seeing things long extinct, but seeing them as, as they were in a life told backwards. He says it is about grief and loss. Absolutely. So there we go. 
Here we go. You can grieve over things that aren't people as well, can't you? Like bathrooms. Joking, I've ruined the moment, sorry. No, no, it's what was needed. Go back to meatloaf puns. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's enough for this week. Yeah. Uh, Next week we'll probably, I suspect... Well, we might get to finish the album. I don't know. I think we might. I think I think the most I had to say was about Essence. And then from then on, it's quite succinct. Mm. So, Famous uh, last words. Famous. We'll just then talk for like three hours on half full jam. Oh, liquidity. <laughs> <laughs> there is an interesting story behind liquidity. Though. Is there? There is. Oh. Uh, I think so. But we won't talk about it this week. Okay. Uh, right. Uh, we literally only did two songs again, Paul. I knew we would, because I knew <laughs> there was going to be some big topics come up this week. Yeah, I knew. I knew. Uh, the, I knew I was going to have a lot to say for Essence. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and I thought, yeah, I'll probably have a lot to say about wrapped up in time, which I did, but in the context of Essence. Yeah. Anyway, right. Uh, we're going to do a bonus episode for our patrons. <gasps> That's so. so exciting! What's the topic going to be? I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if you want to find out, www.patreon.com slash Mr. Biffo. You can support this podcast for just as little as one British pound a month, which gets you early access most of the time, but not this week. Because uh, we were a bit late with this episode due to last week being... Well, we had a uni visit with our daughter on Friday. Had two uni visits, yeah. yeah. Where we normally in record. two days. In two days, so um, so yeah, so sign up for that. Links are in the bio description, show information, whatever you want to call it, um, and subscribe. It's lovely when you tell people about us. Uh, we love that. We love reviews. We love reviews. It. We, love we, reviews. Love it. we love good reviews. We love good. <laughs> we sorry, yes, we love good reviews. <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, I hope this episode hasn't upset anyone too much because it was, it was, you know, probably should have come with a warning. Yeah. Um, I'm going to cut that out. That doesn't feel appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) I was just sitting there trying to think of a meatloaf pun. (laughs) We'll see you next week, everyone. Bye. Bye.